0: Life often feels like you're standing in line. Instead of talking to faces, you're looking at spines. And let's be honest, it feels safer to keep all our friendships online. From there, they can't judge us of faults or of crimes. But we need so much more than likes and dislikes. People pass through our hands and yet are far from our minds. But the Lord puts us together. He gave us voices and eyes to call out greatness in others and see past the lies. So take a deep breath and let a friend in. Get connected to someone. You'll be glad you did. Good morning, glad to have you here. Uh, Right off the bat, let's welcome in our other services, our other campuses right now. Welcome all of our visitors. Welcome 2016. First service, first gathering, first time we're together in this year. What an awesome opportunity to make this a first fruit. Here's what I mean by that. If you're a believer, the very first part of your life belongs to God. Do you agree with that? First part of your time, your effort, your energy, your money. All you have, the first part belongs to God. Let's take this first meeting. The first message we're going to hear, let's all determine right now, let's set a course, let's drive a stake in the ground, let's say, God, this belongs to you, and I want everything you have for me in 2016. Agreed? Okay, so let's prepare our hearts then, get ready, get open, God's got something good for you today. One quick commercial that I want to throw out to you. Uh, Israel trip for 2016 is September 2nd through the 13th, if uh, you haven't been around here, or perhaps you just simply didn't make the initial meeting that we had for it. Uh, Still time to register, still time to go. If you want more information in the foyer at the uh, VIP center, it'll be available there. Look for the orange wall. Or online, jfc.org, first thing when you open up the website, you'll actually see a little banner right there, click it, it'll have more information. But there's still time to register, we've actually had uh, a tremendous response to it, Um, but we want to just ask if uh, anybody that didn't hear it, uh, you don't have to go to our church to go, it's not a a jubilee trip uh, per se, it's just for those who would like to go, we'd love to make it open to you, uh, our personal invitation. Uh, To be able to go. So if you're interested in that, stop, get the information, or go online and check it out. All right, let's jump into it. Look at the notes real quick. The new series is called You'll Be Glad You Did. You'll be glad you did. I always try to think in all of our series, boil it down to one sentence, what it's about. What, what would, if I'm you and I'm telling a friend or I'm telling a neighbor, I'm telling someone, hey, we're teaching this, come and hear the message, and I could just boil it down. As simple as a, a statement as you can make, what is this series going to be about? It's simply about this. want to teach you how to make better decisions and live with less regret. How many of you want to do that in your life? Yeah, me too, man. Listen, that's, that is exactly it right here. Make better decisions, live with less regret. Uh, Two two insights. Here's the first one. Uh, My my birthday's tomorrow, and I don't know if I am philosophical. No, it's not a woo birthday. (laughs) They used to be woo birthdays. Now they're just sort of like, you know, they come by very quickly is the problem with them. So I don't know if it's philosophical or if I'm mourning. It's one of the two things. has me thinking this way. Here's the problem with a regret. A regret never has a sign on it that says, this is going to be a regret. If you realize that, gosh, if only they came that way so you would know. The other side of it simply is this. The nature of the title, look at it one more time. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you connected is the name of this one. But you'll be glad you did. Here's the thought. We're talking future tense, aren't we? We're talking not something that necessarily you reap on today. You have to do it today to get it tomorrow. Yeah. And then let me, let me just talk about this for a second. It's, it's a, an inherent weakness I think in human nature, in fallen nature, that thinking about tomorrow is not always the way we live our lives. There was a study done years ago. They took a bunch of kindergartners. I know you're like, well, we're adults and we don't think that way. I, I think this just reveals where, 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 where and how we think. They, they sat a bunch of kindergartners together. They gave them a cookie. Here's what they told them. You can have this cookie now or we'll give you a really big cookie in 30 minutes. What do you think they did? Every one of them ate the cookie now. No one got the big cookie later. It's just human nature that we tend to want now. We want quick results. We want to see it happen today in our lives. And the truth of the matter is, uh, in order to be able to say, I'm glad I did, you have to think today to get tomorrow. That's where this message then becomes a little bit of a challenge to people. Is like, how, how do we live that way? How do we think that way? So every week we're going to talk about, you'll be glad you fill in the blank. This week we're going to be talking about, you'll be glad you got connected. You'll be glad you had friends. You'll be glad that you were a part of something bigger than just yourself. I'm going to use Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 to start this week. Ecclesiastes, real quickly, uh, this is written by Solomon. Solomon, the Bible says, is the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon, when he wrote these words... Uh, they're used mostly in weddings. You'll you'll recognize it as soon as I say the first sentence. It's used mostly in weddings. And that's okay, but here's the problem. This scripture only gets relegated then to weddings. It's never taught outside of the context of a wedding. And really, Solomon didn't write it for a wedding vow. He wrote it so that people got a principle in life. And let me see if you can understand this real quickly. Just focus in on me and hear this. God makes life easier for us when we cooperate with him you agree with that statement. Sometimes we make our lives harder simply because we don't do what God tells us to do. This is one of these things in life. If you just do this, life can be so much easier, so much better. You'll reap so much more. You'll be glad you did when it comes to this scripture. And here's what it says. Two people are better off than one. or Two are better than one. You ever heard it in the context of a wedding? I use it in a wedding. So two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm all alone? Look at this sentence. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that right there. And then look at his conclusion. Three are even better than two. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now normally, like I said, I use it in a wedding. Stand before a couple, hey, two are better than one, and three are better than two, and here's the third. God wants to be a part of your marriage. Never forget him in your lives. He'll keep the two of you together if you honor him. It's a great scripture for that, isn't it? The problem is, he never wrote it for a wedding. It applies in that, but it actually was written about friends in life, connections in life, people that we're supposed to connect to around us. And here's his implication. Two are better than one, three are better than two, so by implication, here's what he's saying. Four is better than three, five is better than four, six better than... The more people you have in the life, the better off you are. Amen. It's just what it means right here. It's what he's teaching. So with this scripture, let me talk a little bit about the idea of you'll be glad you got connected. Meet with our teaching team the past couple of weeks, and as we're placing this together, the first sentence we come up with, and that we, I, I, I guess the statement for the year is just simply, that idea that two are better than one. I uh, give credit to Pastor Marcus, uh, Pastor Dan DeMay. I think almost simultaneously they, they just blurted this out loud. We were looking for an illustration how two are better than one, and they both almost said, What about a bicycle? For those of you who have ever ridden one, you realize it has two pedals, right? Any person in this room ever tried to ride a bicycle without one pedal? Here's what happens. Guys laugh at that. Women look like, why would you ever try something like that? Because guys take their stuff apart. They break their stuff. And then they try to, you, you ever done that where you try to ride it with one pedal? It's a funny little thing. It doesn't take double the amount of energy. I bet it takes 10 times the amount of energy. Now, here's a thought. Going down a hill, no big deal. Level ground, you're just fooling around. But what about trying to go up? Here's what I know. I can't get a regular bicycle up a hill right now. Try to ride one with one pedal up a hill. It takes so much more effort, so much more energy, so much more time. It's just not designed to be that way. Look at me real quick. Focus on this. Open your minds. Think about this right here. God gives a principle for life, and here's the principle. Trying to do it by yourself is difficult. You make it harder than it has to be. You make it more difficult when you go through life by yourself. If you're going downhill, if everything is great in your life, you can get away with it for a little while. If you're just even right now, and thank God for being even, huh? Even's okay at times, too. Absolutely. But here's the problem with life. Life doesn't always stay downhill or even. Many times we end up uphill. Yeah. Anybody? Right here. Three of us. And the guy in the front's excited about it. He really is with me. <laughs> and I ask one more. You ever tried to go uphill in life? It happens to us. Uh, what is it about struggle? What is it about trouble? What, what is it? Rather than, rather than use that time to reach out, what is it about us? That when we get in a difficult place, we tend to withdraw and isolate ourselves more than ever. And here the principle is being taught, the more involved, the easier it is. Why is it when it gets difficult, that's the time we tend to pull into ourselves and isolate from everyone? Doesn't that just intensify how difficult things can be in life? How about this? If the bicycle doesn't get you, think of an airplane real quickly. Which wing do you like, like better, right or left? I mean, which, uh, I think the right one's really pretty. I don't know about it. You need both, huh? Pick one and what happens? Some of you are flying tomorrow. You're like, I don't like this message, Pastor. I just don't think that's the one I want. Both are necessary to move forward. Both are necessary to make traction. Both are necessary to get where you want to go. Here's a thought. When I'm putting this together, I know how it works. I know how I am. Much of what I'm teaching you right now are things that I do. When it's difficult, I tend to withdraw. When it gets hard, I tend to isolate. I I know God created it that we're to reach out. The people that he puts in our lives are people that he puts there for a reason. The people that look to your left and look to your right real quickly. Do it. Some of you just simply keep looking straight at me the whole, like, I will not do it. And you're looking like, I know you're looking, but I ain't looking at you. I know, I, I get it. <laughs> DJ, Pastor DJ, uh, Ephesians 1.18 is what he says to me this week. Now, I've read Ephesians chapter, I've read Ephesians hundreds of times in my life. Taught from it in series. But Ephesians 1.18, if I pray our phrase, it just says this. Paul is writing, he says, I pray that God could open your eyes so that you would realize the inheritance he's put in the saints that belongs to you. Here's a thought. Let me, let me explain what this means. Many times we're praying, God, I'm so lonely. God, help me overcome this. God, I feel so isolated. God, I want to be successful. God, I need to move forward. God, help me, help me, help me. And we're always praying just simply vertically. We always just think, as long as i got it going this way, I'm okay. And here's what Ephesians 1.18 means. God actually wants to answer some of your prayers with the fact that when you connect this way, he's put in people's lives some of the answers to your prayers. Your encouragement may not come just this way. It may come as you get connected this way. Depression may not leave your life until you get connected with people. Hopelessness. Fear. Isolation. Some of the things that you want, to be able to move forward and to be successful and to do what God wants you to do in your life, you will not find just simply this way. And here's what we always as long as I'm good this way, everything's good in life. So, so let me use God's own words, his, his own judgment of the situation. When he creates Adam, he creates Adam in the perfect environment. Here's the difference between us and Adam: we don't have the perfect environment, yes or no? We don't. That means it's harder for you than it was for Adam. So get this picture. Adam's created in the perfect environment. Here's what the Bible says about his relationship with God. Every afternoon, God would just come in the cool of the day and hang out with Adam. Have you ever said to yourself, God, I wish I could hear your voice just so easily. I wish you'd just show up in my... Anybody ever said that? So Adam has this every day. And here's God's judgment about it. Genesis chapter 2. It's not good for the man to be alone. And yet Adam's got this great connection with God. And so many of you sit here and you think, as long as I'm good this way, I'm fine. And God's own judgment about it is you need to be connected to people around you. You need people. You weren't made to go through life unconnected. And the people sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, around you, are the people that God has brought here. They contain treasure, inheritance in them that God wants to answer your prayers. Listen, stop for a moment. So many of you have been praying, God, speak to me. Show up in my life. You just said that's what you want. I wish God would show up. What if this is God speaking to you right now? Hey, next to you, I'm trying to answer your prayer. I don't want the answer that way. (laughs) They look kind of scary. Come on. (laughs) You know, here's, real quickly, here's what I have learned about being connected. These two things. Uh, To be connected, you have to be intentional. Do you agree with that? So it was just, I just wish people were more friendly. You be friendly. Amen. I'm talking about these guys for these guys. Be fr- no. Be friendly. Try this. <laughs> do you think it's okay to laugh and smile in church? I hope you do because heaven will be a very long experience for you. If not, and here's what I pray if you think it should just be all solemn. I pray I get to sit next to you for eternity and laugh. Just drive you crazy. Here. <laughs> It will be a very joyful place. Listen, listen. It's not, your your connection with God vertically is the most important relationship. But here's what Jesus said Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love each other. He said the second commandment is as important as the first love God love people. Here's what John said about it. If you say you love God but you aren't loving people, connected to people, then you're fooling yourself. People somewhere in American church experience I don't know, perhaps pastors have become just professional pulpiteers. And so what what happens is people come to, it, it blesses, you connect with the Holy Spirit, you feel the presence of God with it, but we never move beyond the experience of hearing a message and saying amen to it. So you can say amen to me, I agree, what a great message, but you don't think of yourself doing what you're hearing. Therefore, the devil steals this seed from your life, you have none of the implications of what God wants for you. Jesus said, I came to bring abundant life. How many people will leave this building today with God wanting you to have abundant life and you'll walk out of here going, where's my life? What if we're just not doing what God tells us to do? What if it's just simply we make our lives harder by not doing the simple thing God tells us to do, which is two are better than one, three are better than two, four. woo. I want you to think about this for a moment. What will you do with this today? It's so easy to be hearers and not doers. Hearers and not doers. Hearers and not doers. Two are better than one. The reference on that scripture with God, saying it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. It's Genesis 2.18 if you need the reference for that. Let me give you my favorite sentence from this scripture. Now pick it up in the middle. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? And then this sentence, it's actually a revelation of warfare, but it's even beyond that. Listen to these words. A person standing alone can be attacked and, what does it say? Defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. It's actually a warfare principle. When you know someone has your back, you don't have to worry about what's behind you. You don't have to worry about what's around you. You can focus on moving forward, on doing what's in front of you, on conquering, on taking ground, on making sure that you're, you're in the present. But when you've got to worry about your back, I mean, tell me that doesn't just paralyze you. So uh, let me make it this. For those of you who are married, one of the best things about being married is when you know someone has your back. One of the worst things about being married is when you believe someone doesn't have your back. Yes? Agreed? Oh, powerful principle. Unbelievable truth in that. Here the Bible is telling us it's just simply the way God designed it. When you know someone has your back, it frees you up to do what you want to do, to go where you want to go, to be who God wants you to be. When you not have to worry about it. So Pastor Terry sends me this illustration last night. Look at this real quick. This is what it looks like if you're a stick person and someone has your back. This is Terry's level of humor. <laughs> so here's the worst part. I get it and put it in the message. That's how good I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> back to back. Let me give you an observation real quickly about two marriages. It's not a marriage message, but it just happens uh, early on in the life of the church. Four, five, six years in. Um, here, here's, here's a fun thing. About, uh, about a church when it's young, okay? It's both good and bad. Uh, when it's young, um, it's really cool because everybody knows you. But in the same respect, it's really bad because you can't hide. You can't be anonymous. You can't come and sit. In fact, if you don't show up in a week, I mean, there's only 20 people, and you don't show up in a week, guess what happens the next week? Hey, where were you? Well, I was on vacation. Is it okay with you? You know, it's one of those things where... You know, it's just like, it's good and it's bad. So we get two couples who come in relatively early in the life of the church. They're fairly well known. And on the surface, everything looked, here's, they were married roughly the same amount of time. They're roughly from the same socioeconomic background. They're roughly at the same place in their marriage. Here's what I do know. All four of the people love Jesus. They love God. The fault in what I'm about to tell you is not two of them didn't love God. All four of them love God. And roughly at the same time, like a wave that came in, both couples found themselves in marriage trouble. Both come and seek counsel. And here's what took place over the next six months. Two of the people isolated themselves, grew further and further away from being asked about how you're doing. They didn't want it. They isolated. They pulled back. And six months later, they disappear. And a year later, they divorce each other. The other couple. Here was the difference between the two. The other couple had so many relationships in their lives. One of their friends actually said this, they told me this, said to them, we will not let you go. They still had to climb a hill, it was still a difficult time, but they're still married and they're still here. What's the difference? Wouldn't it be easy to say one couple was really committed to God and the other couple wasn't? That's not the truth. The real moral of the story is, No one in this room, starting with me, is above drifting. At certain times, certain places in life, given certain circumstances, no one is above drifting. And when you drift, it's good to have anchors in your life that keep you from going too far. Yes or no? Some of the things that have just held me in place over the years are the fact that too many people know me, love me. They're involved in my life. They just simply won't let me go. I can't do what I want to do. And sometimes I want to do. Am I the only one? Have you ever just have one of those days where you want to do? Yeah. Cash it all in? Yeah. Do. Yeah. He has sat through all three messages this weekend. This is really turning your crank. You just, you know, do what, pastor? You fill in the do. Do-do, that's what you do, you know. it's the connection it's the life for me at this point in my life the reason for living life for getting up tomorrow for enjoying today. It's not the car I drive. It's not the house I live in. It's not even getting to be pastor here as much as I, can you tell I love it? I love it. Thank you. (laughs) I have this secret fear that someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, time to go home. (laughs) I love this. But that's not my joy in life. My greatest joy in life now comes from the relationships that I've cultivated in my life. Older and newer friends. Number one is this relationship right here. Got 32 years. 32 years. It's like any other marriage. It's what you make of it. It's what you got. It's my greatest joy. Second, used to be my children. Now it's my grandchildren. They nudge my children back to three. (laughs) (laughs) Now maybe when they're adults and they do their thing, then my children move back into two and the grandchildren become three. I don't know. But for now grandchildren are two, kids are three, and then when I look around and I think in my life, the, the deep, the friendships that are new friendships, newer, that I'm cultivating and that I enjoy so much, that I get so much out of and that means so much to me, and then the ones that I've had for 25 and 30 and 35 years, I'm glad I invested Listen, I said earlier two things for connection. One is that you have to be intentional. The second one, I want you to hear me say this, it costs you something to get connected. It costs you time. And it costs energy, and that's why a lot of people just don't do it today. We just simply don't have any extra energy to invest in anybody else. And you know who loses? They and you. It's not the way God intended for you to live life. It's almost as though the enemy found a way in a big wave of yuck to just cause people to live their lives at such high speed and velocity that we never have time to connect. Think about it. God, we lose so much. Uh, If you really want to take it to the next level and really invest, it's costly in money. It's costly. It's easier. Listen to me. It's always easier to not do it. It's always easier to just sit back and let someone. It's easier, but we don't reap. I bet your prayers aren't God. Whatever, I don't care. I bet your prayers are God do this, and God I want to see this, and God bring this. I bet they're reaping prayers. Let me give you my last illustration. A guy who really got connection well. Back to the beginning of our church. It was a family that came in, uh, I think from the second weekend we were here. And unfortunately for this guy, he was so friendly, we connected him quickly. He did, every, he did nursery. He was on the board. He greeted. He ushered. Uh, he helped in worship. He, he did everything. He was so known. His family was so, so precious to us. He was a good friend of mine. His statement when he was on our board, I I used to love his heart. He would always ask me whenever we were going to do something with missions or we were going to support something or start a campus or take care of, he would always say, have we done enough? He would never say, that's too much. He would always say, have we done enough? Would challenge. I loved his spirit. He was a young man and in a sudden, unexpected event, heart attack, and he's gone. And I was glad I had a chance to tell him I loved him. I told him it every time I saw him was glad I had a chance to connect with him. But gosh, when it's sudden like that, you think of all the things you wish you would have done. All the things you'd be glad you did. He was a guy that wasn't just involved in his church, he was involved in his neighborhood, he was involved in his children's school, he was involved in so many different, I used to think, how does this guy have the energy to be so connected to people? He was a boy scout leader. i do his funeral, at the funeral, if you're a believer, and I do your funeral, I want it set at mine. I always make it known when we know where something is, it's not lost. He's not standing here right now, but he's not lost. I know where he is. We'll see him again. One of his leaders, my age, guy that helped him with the Boy Scouts, came to the funeral, not a believer, his whole life not a believer. He hears those words, and for the next two, three years, the Holy Spirit haunts him. When you know where something is, it's not lost. And he begins to investigate Christianity. Unbeknownst to me, he starts coming to church. One day, I give an opportunity for people to find Christ. He raises his hand. We're doing baptisms. A couple weeks later, the guy spontaneously decides, I'm going to stand up and show everybody I've given my life to Christ. He gets baptized. We ask him, how did this all happen? And he said, I went to a funeral where you said these words and God used them, but this is what he said. I came to the funeral because this guy so influenced me. I was connected to him. And then I had this thought, Scott's sitting in the presence of the Lord. What if God reaches down and goes, Scott, well done, you got another one. He's gonna reap for eternity over and over and over again because he was connected. Let me just ask you, how many of you would love your lives to count for all eternity? Me too. Me too for all eternity, for not here, for not just today, for not tomorrow, but for all eternity, for all eternity. It's what you do today that echoes for all eternity. We always think the big day, I want the big day. Big days don't come like that. They come in the decisions today that you'll say tomorrow, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I did that. Connection. What will you do with this message? Father, we love you. We offer up to you right now, God, our attention and our heart, and we make it the first fruit of the year. You deserve the best part of our time, the best part of our energy, the best part of our effort, the first part of how we think, the first part of our activity. You deserve the very first part, God, of all of our decision making. If you're a believer, that's what God wants. He wants to be first in your life. I assume with the majority of people that are here this morning, you love God because you got out of bed this morning. You made your way here. What is God trying to say to you? What is God trying to call you to and open your eyes to? You know, here's what I would pray. So often, our eyes are just simply closed because we live in the now and now. We live below the level of vision. Here's what I pray that God would lift you above just the day-to-day surviving, getting through, getting to tomorrow, making a living. May God lift you above that so that you could see your life the way He sees it. You could see the people around you the way He sees them. You could glimpse eternity you could glimpse what God has for you, the inheritance that he's put inside of you and others that you could just see beyond. pray the Lord would open your eyes. I pray that he'd let you glimpse what it could look like one year from now. How about going into 2017 saying, I grew unbelievably in 2016 God answered my prayers God revealed himself to me what if you were set free what if you were healed what if God had realms and levels of success you don't even know about because you said yes Yes to a principle, yes to him, yes to what he's calling you to. You look back in one year, three years, five years and said, boy, I'm glad I did that. Glad I did that. Father, every one of us find ourselves in the place of wanting to see. God, unless you open our eyes, we can't see. Unless you open our ears, we can't hear. Unless you give us vision, Father, all we see is just what's in front of us. But God, give us vision to see what you see, to hear what you hear, to know what you know. God, lift us beyond just today. Give us hope. God, thank you for hearing our prayers today. We commit our way to you. Establish us in everything.